Amen. Acts chapter one. We're going to, we're going to officially, uh, finish up first things first, living, uh, learning to live life in the right order. How many of you know, if you get your life out of sorts, everything goes wrong. If you get, if you get priorities out of whack, everything seems to go wrong, right? For example, if, if you were, if you got your priority, uh, uh, placed, uh, upon, you know, a man or a woman above Jesus Christ, how many of you know that messes everything up? If your spouse or even your boyfriend, girlfriend are more important than Jesus, it messes everything up. And so it's so important for us to live a life of priority and order. And that's what we've been talking about since the first of the year. Uh, and our keynote verse, I hope you've been, I should just give a test here this morning. I should just not show you this. I should just give you a test. You should be able to quote this without even, without even thinking about it. But our keynote verse this month has, and really I think it should be all year long, Matthew 6.33. Let's read it out loud together. I'm just going to close my eyes and play like y'all have it memorized. Here we go, Matthew 6.33. But... <coughs> And everybody said, amen. amen. Say it again. But seek. I love that verse. I'm telling you. Uh, I love it because it just encompasses so much of, of the priority of God. Seek first the kingdom of God, the governance of God and right relationship with God and all these other things. In fact, if you put read the context in Matthew 6, it's all the things we seem to put first, you know, food, lodging, you know, protection, peace, all those things we, we work so hard for. Uh, Jesus just said, if you'll put me first and if you'll put right relationship with me first, all these other things will be added. And I love how that word reads. It means annexed into your life. How many of you know what it means to be annexed? One day you were not a part of something, the next day you were. One day something wasn't a part of your life, and the next day, just by the stroke of a pen, it was a part of your life. I'm telling you, that's how fast God can add things into your life. With the stroke of a pen, with the words of his mouth. Amen. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And let me just, let me just, let me just try something. Let me just throw out a blanket uh, declaration to you that if you're struggling in, in areas of your life, if, if you, if you uh, continue to have issues and, and, and hangups in areas, could I just say it's probably because the priority of life, uh, the priorities of your life are out of whack. And if you go back to the priority and say, what's the real priority of my life? And if Jesus and his word and will and his ways are not top priority in your life, you got to get that fixed so you can get fixed. How many of you know there's some things you got to fix before you can get fixed? There's some priorities you got to get fixed before you can get fixed. And so I want to encourage you in that today. We've been looking at that and looking at other things. And last week we looked at Acts chapter 1. Uh, I want to read it from verse 4. The context here is Jesus, the resurrected Christ, has spent 40 days with his disciples and, and the fledgling church. And he's, he's spoke to them, verse 3, of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Some would say the promise of the Father which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with, somebody say with, that word could be trans. In fact, it is uh, the better rendering is baptized in the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him saying, Lord, will you not at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power. Somebody say power. That word is dunamis. It's a Greek word for supernatural power. In fact, uh, the I read this in this little book, by the way. This is Greg Laurie's book, Tell Someone, that goes along with our emphasis next week. He, he gave a little insight about that word. 
uh, I think it's, is it Alfred Nobel from where we get the Nobel Peace Prize? Is it Alfred? Uh, he had and invented something one at one at some point, and he needed a word to describe it. And so he asked one of his uh, uh, more uh, uh, linguistic uh, people in his life, "What's what's a good word in Greek uh, that would describe explosive power?" He said, "Well, that's not a problem. That's the word dunamis." And he said, "Okay, I'm going to call my new invention dynamite." from that word. And so Alfred Nobel named dynamite from this word, power. Somebody say power. And so Alfred Nobel realized that, hey, this word describes what this invention that I have invented will do. It's supernatural, explosive power. And Jesus said, you shall receive dynamite, supernatural, explosive power when the Holy Spirit, that's the promise of the Father he was talking about, has come, look at, everybody say, upon you. And you shall be, not might be, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And everyone said, amen. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word, and Lord, give me a little strength here this morning, physically and spiritually, to be able to communicate truth today as we prepare ourselves to make a big difference in the world, as we prepare our lives uh, to show and tell this world about the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Everybody said amen. You know, uh, a scripture that came to me as I was praying just then, I just Paul said this, I believe it's Romans 1 talking about the gospel. He said, it is the power of God. The gospel is the power of God. It's the dynamite. It's the dunamis of God. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So we've got, we've got the word of God, which is powerful. And today we're going to talk about the the priority of the Holy Spirit in our life. And last week we went through a lot of priorities in this, in this first eight verses. And I won't go over them here, but uh, you, if you missed last week, go, go online and listen and get the, I, I had five priorities of God that I, I sensed and saw in these verses that I would encourage you to embrace. One of the biggies was the priority of staying the course. Everyone say stay the course. For 40 days, Jesus was, was equipping them to stay the course, to not quit. Look and tell somebody, you can't quit this. You can't quit her. Quitters never win, and winners never quit. Look at your neighbor. He said, there's a winner on the inside of you. Tell somebody, there's a winner. There's a winner on the inside of you. Now, this morning... I want to talk to you about, and this is, this is very apropos. I want you to see, I sense the Holy Spirit is really setting us up. Tell somebody else it's a setup. The Holy Spirit's setting us up for greater influence in the world. And so I think it's important that this is the last uh, message concerning the priorities of God and putting first things first. And it's the priority of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, follow with me this morning. Verse four, he says, and you can tell it's a priority, the resurrected Christ says, and being assembled together with him, he commanded them uh, not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. Now, you just get from, from that verse you realize that this is a big priority. This is a top priority to heaven, to Jesus Christ. He's saying, now, and, and let me be, let me be, uh, 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 let me, let me expand this thought. For 40 days, he's been talking to them, speaking to them things and, and, and commissioning them and commanding them and instructing them in, in things concerning the kingdom of God. And he, and, and it's almost like he says this now, all these things, and especially to these disciples, these apostles, yeah, all these things that you've heard from me for the last three years. And now these last 40 days is the resurrected Christ. You put all of that together. Listen, it's of no value to you unless you get this last thing under your belt. Hey, you can't go out uh, with all that I've given you and everything I've said to you. It's of no benefit without the dunamis, 
the dynamite power of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? And so this is huge. Look at somebody else said this is huge. It really is. It's big. It's top priority. And I'm, it's huge. It's the most important. He said, don't leave home. Don't leave Jerusalem without the promise of the Father. Because this is what you have. This is the fuel behind what I've been telling you. And all that I've told you, though the gospel has power, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. You need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, this is not in your PowerPoint or your notes this morning. But let me just kind of give you a little insight. When you were lost, how many of you used to be lost? You were without Christ. The Bible says the Holy Spirit comes and convicts us. So basically it's like this. When you're lost, the Holy Spirit comes and convicts you and introduces you to Jesus. Points you to Jesus. You're lost. Here's a Savior. His name is Jesus. And you confess your sins and you ask Christ to come into your heart and you embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says you're saved. All the saved people say I'm saved. And then when you get saved, then what Jesus desires to do is turn around and introduce you to the Holy Spirit. Because if you remember what John the Baptist said in John chapter one, he said, you know what? I baptize you in water for repentance of sin. But there's one coming after me. He spoke of Jesus who will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit comes and introduces us to Jesus and we get born again. And then Jesus turns around. In fact, with his disciples, he said, don't worry that I'm going away. I'm going to send you the comforter. I'm going to introduce you to the Holy Spirit and he's going to take good care of you. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. And so the, it's, a, it's a huge priority. And he said, uh, he said in verse 5, he said, you're, you're going to, verse 4 and 5, he said, uh, you've got to receive the promise of the Father. That's divine assurance of good. He said, I'm, you, you just stay here because I'm going to give you some divine assurance. It's going to be really good for you. You need this. You've got to have this in your life. And then he says, which you've heard from me. You've already heard about this. And if we had time, we'd go to John 16, where he talks about sending the Holy Spirit and that you don't need to worry. You don't need to fear. The comforter's coming. He's going to guide you into all truth. He'll never leave you. You'll have everything you need and more. And so now we come to the place where the church is about to, Jesus is about to ascend to the, the resurrected Christ, ascend to heaven. And he said, you've got to have this comforter, this promise of the Father. Somebody say top priority. So let me just give you this morning some obvious insights. I think they're obvious, but they may not. They may be so, so obvious that they're, uh, you know, we miss them. They're close as the, you know, too close that we can't see it. But let me just give you some obvious insights. Uh, there's a lot we could say. There's books written on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, but let me just give you some insights this morning. Number one, the disciples clearly needed more than what they had. Say that with me. The disciples clearly needed. Now, what did they have? They had Jesus for goodness sake. They not only had Jesus for three years, but then they had the resurrected Christ for 40 days. They had Jesus. They had his word. They had his promises. And then they had, now catch this, they even had the Holy Spirit within them. Now, if we had time, we'd go to John 20, where the resurrected Christ walked into the disciples' life, and he said this. He, it says he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, unique, there's a little unique scenario here. You think about the first century disciples. They walked with Jesus. They talked with him physically, and, and so they followed him. They trusted him. They learned to lean, and, and, and they learned to rely upon him, uh, and, and in a sense, I believe when Jesus, the resurrected Christ, which how many of you know resurrection is the vital ingredient? You know, he died for our sin. He paid the price. But resurrection is where we, where it validates who Jesus was. And so the resurrected Christ walked into their life in John 20 and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I believe that's when the disciples, if you will, could, you could say they were officially born again. And the Spirit of God began to live on the inside of them. Now, when we're born again, 
The Spirit of God comes and lives within us. Now they had Jesus and they had the Holy Spirit within them, but they needed more. That's why Jesus said, listen, you guys need more than what you have. Are you with me? Say amen. Obvious point number two. Number one leads to number two. And is this, they had the Holy Spirit within them, but not upon them. Follow me here. They had the Holy Spirit within them, but they, they did not have the Holy Spirit upon them. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus said this. He already had spoken to them in John 20, receive the Holy Spirit, receive the Holy Spirit. But he said, hey, don't leave Jerusalem without the promise of the Father, which is a direct reference to the Holy Spirit. And then verse 8, he said, and after the Holy Spirit has come, what? Come on now. After the Holy Spirit has come, what? Somebody say upon you. Listen. They had the Holy Spirit within them, but they did not have the Holy Spirit upon them. And this is where we need to understand something. We get, we get, think we're okay because we've got the Holy Spirit within us. Hey, you're born again. You're on your way to heaven, but you are not empowered and equipped for supernatural ministry in the kingdom that God has for you. See, God didn't save you just to get you to heaven. He saves you to fill you with the Holy Ghost and put you out into a world that desperately needs Christ. So they had the Holy Spirit within them, but they didn't have the Holy Spirit upon them. Now, I quoted this a few moments ago, but in John chapter 1, where John the Baptist is speaking, he says this. I said it a moment ago, but he says this in verse 32. There's one coming after me whose, whose sandals I'm not worthy to tie or untie. He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit in fire. And then... There's the point where Jesus comes and John's and, and Jesus is coming and John baptizes him in water. You remember the story? And what happened to Jesus? It says the Holy Spirit did what? Descended like a dove. Now, it, it, that's just an illustration. We don't, you know, you draw a picture of a dove. I, who knows? I, I wasn't there. You weren't either. But he said, like a dove. And John might just have been descriptive of how gentle and how wonderful and how beautiful it was. He, he actually saw the Holy Spirit do what uh, with Jesus? The Holy Spirit came. Somebody's look at your neighbor upon him. Say it out loud. Upon him. This is what we got to get right here. You can have the Holy Spirit within you, but it's not enough. Thank God for the Holy Spirit within me. I'm no longer a slave to sin. But if I'm going to be useful in this kingdom that God has for me, I need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit to come upon you. So when you're saved, the Holy Spirit comes and abides within you. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes and abides upon you. Are you with me? Obvious insight number three. It's a repetitive, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit is clearly heaven's top priority for the church. We can get equipped. We can go to school. We should. We need to study to show ourselves approved unto God. We need to hide the word of God in our hearts, but we need the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon us. And I find it interesting that this is the last thing Jesus basically told them before he ascended to the promise of the Father. How many of you know he must have thought this was a really biggie? This is a biggie. You need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. He needs to come upon you. Just like Jesus had the Holy Spirit come upon him. Just like the first century disciples when they waited for the promise. Acts chapter 2 says the Holy Spirit came upon them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Began to speak the word of God. It's just a supernatural outpouring of the power of Almighty God in their life. Amen. And let me just say this about the priority of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is really not optional. You know, we, we, I haven't bought a new vehicle in a long time. Uh, 
but when you buy a vehicle, there's always options, right? You can get this with this many, these options, that option. And, and people, people think about Jesus and the word and they read it like, like it's buying a vehicle or something. Well, I'll take that. I don't need that. I'll take that. I don't need that. And, and, and we just pick our options. Like how many of you know, uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's standard. You can, it, it should come with every believer. You should not, every believer needs to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. For the purpose of reaching our world to Jesus Christ, for Jesus Christ. Amen. It's not optional. In fact, uh, gosh, it's also not exclusive. You think, well, that, the disciple, the first century church, those are the ones who needed the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, no, wait, it's not, it's not just, it's not exclusive because here's what Peter, after Peter got up, after the Holy Spirit fell, and he gets up and preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ under the power of the Holy Ghost. Thousands of people are born again and they're repenting. And it says this in verse 38. Then Peter said, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus for the remission of sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children and to all who are afar off as many as the Lord our God will call. In other words, this is not exclusive to the first century church. This is for you, your children, your children's children and your children's children after you. And after you're long gone and in heaven, it's for their generations to come should Jesus tarry. We all need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's top priority. It's not optional. Now, uh, go to, I want you to, I want you to see this, uh, Acts chapter 19. Oh, we got plenty of time. Go over to Acts 19. This was years after, uh, after Pentecost and we didn't even look at Acts chapter two where they were all together in one place and the Holy Spirit came upon them. They, they received the promise of the Father, but now ministry has expanded into Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. And, and the disciples and apostles are moving and ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit. The gospel of God is going throughout all the world, just like Acts chapter one, verse eight said, there'll be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the age, of the earth. In just a few weeks, I'll be in India. Uh, in fact, let me just throw in a pause button here for a moment. I really need your financial help to get me to India. Do I want to go to India? No. Should I go to India? Yes. Am I looking forward to going to India? No. Why? Because it'll wear this old man out, but I'm going to preach to preachers and people and be an encouragement to our missionaries there in their 35th year anniversary. And I'm telling you, the gospel is going all through India because of, of the, of the promise of the father. Amen. And there it in Visakhapatnam at Christ for India, uh, a, a spirit-filled ministry. Indians getting filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking the word of God with boldness. And so it's happening. But here in Acts 19, it says this, and it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding somewhat disciples. Somebody say disciples. He found, he found some disciples and he said to them, he asked them a question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, if your theology is you get it all when you get it, when you're born again, you get all you need and you don't need any more, well, then Paul's confused here if your theology's right. Because here he found some disciples. That means followers of Christ. And this was years after Pentecost. He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. They said, holy who? We don't know what you're talking about. Here's disciples, followers of Christ, who said, we don't know what you're talking about. What do you mean, Holy Spirit? And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? And they said into John's baptism. Now, what was John's baptism? Once you got born again, you were baptized in water. These were believers. These are just like people all over the world who think the baptism of the Holy Spirit's optional. They didn't really even know about the Holy Spirit. Then Paul said to them, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people they should be believe on him who would come after him. 
Then he said this, uh, that is on Jesus Christ. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit did what? Came what? Upon them. And they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Here's believers who had not heard about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who? What are you talking about? A little quick clarification. Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit, and prayed for them. The Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. In other words, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen. Now, people get hung up on the gifts. We'll talk about that in a minute. You go, well, do I have to speak in tongues? No, you get to. You get to. You get a language to pray that gets right into heaven when you don't. In fact, Paul said, you don't know how to praise at all, but the Spirit prays through you with groanings too deep for words. You get to commune in a heavenly language. That's, that's another part of the whole. But let me tell you something. The baptism of the Holy Spirit's not all about talking in tongues. It's about winning people to Christ. Amen. So it's not optional. It's top priority for the church. So let me throw it at you this way. Let me tell you about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And there's so much I could say here today. Let me give you three thoughts. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, number one, it empowers you for ministry. That's what Acts chapter 1 is all about. It empowers you for ministry. You receive supernatural dynamite ministry power. In fact, we see it operational in, in the apostles' lives just really quickly. I mean, it happened. Uh, in fact, what did Acts 1-8 say? You'll receive power to be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. What happens as soon as they were filled with the Holy Spirit? Very quickly in verse 14, Peter gets up under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. He quotes passages of scripture. He said, man, this is what uh, Joel prophesied uh, about the Holy Spirit coming upon us. Uh, and, uh, and then he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ and thousands of people were born again. And then in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John on their way to the temple to pray, the lame man there begging for alms. And he said, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have I give you. This is the first time you see the apostles doing miracles. Up to that point, it was Jesus. And they're going, shazam, Jesus is doing miracles. They're going, woohoo, Jesus is doing miracles. Woohoo. Now Jesus went to heaven and he said, now you go do what I was doing. In fact, in John 16, he said, the works that I do, you'll do also. And even greater works than these shall you do because I go to the Father. And now they get baptized in the Holy Ghost. Ghost and Peter says, I'm going to try this out for size. He says, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have, I'm going to give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. And he jerked him up, and his legs that had never been whole were made whole. And he went walking and leaping and praising God. Somebody say, Amen. The baptism of the Holy Spirit <coughs> empowers you supernaturally for ministry. And it's not exclusive, it's inclusive. Whew. Not only empowers you, but equips you. The baptism of the Holy Spirit equips you for ministry personally and ministerially. In fact, one of the, the if you go to uh, Galatians 5, it's the fruit of the Spirit. When you get the Holy Spirit in your life, the fruit begins to grow and it equips you to, to be what God wants you to be and do what God wants you to do. In fact, uh, and then, and, and, uh, we talked about they were, they spoke in tongues and prophesied. That's just the gifts of the Spirit operating in the believer's life. And Paul explained that to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 12. And he said, man, there's gifts. God's giving you gifts. Jesus gives gifts to men by way of the Holy Spirit. And those gifts are designed to move through you to be a greater witness and influence in the world. Are you with me? Say amen. The Holy Spirit empowers us for ministry. The baptism of the Holy Spirit equips us for ministry. And number three, the baptism of the Holy Spirit emboldens us for ministry. And we need some of that today. 
The first century church in Acts chapter 4, verse 31, the story is this. The church was exploding and the religious order of the day were very uh, disconcerted about this massive influence, this massive uh, departure from the religious law to this gospel of grace, how thousands of people were being born again and they thought we need to threaten these guys and tell them to hush your mouth. Let me tell you, there's a spirit in the world. Listen to me. Pressuring the church to hush your mouth. I came to tell you this morning, under the influence of the Holy Ghost and Alka-Seltzer Cold Plus, <laughs> that the devil is trying to tell you today to hush your mouth and don't tell the story. And the disciples came, but in the pre- you read it in Acts 4. They got together and began to pray. And let me just tell you, February, we're going to begin to pray like these disciples prayed. Uh, I'll be pondering how we can corporately do it and how we can personally do it. But they began to pray, uh, Lord, behold their threatenings. And they said, if you'll just keep doing what you're doing, we'll keep doing what we're doing. You keep doing your job we'll keep doing our job and together we're going to and that the bible says and verse 31 and when they had prayed catch this the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the holy spirit and began to speak or they spoke the word of god with boldness you see the baptism of the holy spirit is not just a goosebump for you the baptism of the Holy Spirit's not just to give you a joy, uh, you know, goosebump and joys for Jesus. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is here to empower you for ministry, to equip you for ministry, to embolden us for ministry. And so much more I could say. So with that in mind today, let me just say we've got to position ourselves in a place where we can receive the Holy Spirit. And allow him to come upon us. How many of you know you're born again one time? You don't lose. I'm going to just say, we could argue over this if you want. I've never lost my salvation, so I don't believe I can. If there's anybody that could have, I should have. But every time I I do, I'm his child. How many of you know, uh, you know, I look at my uh, daughters and their son-in-laws. Even if their kids went nuts on them and said, I'm out of here. How many of you know they'd still be their kids? When you're born into the family, you're a part of the family. And so we'll always be his children, but we need to position ourselves in a place where we can receive all that God has for us. And that's what the first century disciples did that day. He said, you go to Jerusalem and you wait for the promise of the Father. Now, let me just tell you this. From a study of Scripture, there's five places. I won't go to them in Acts where it says they were all they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And none of them, there's not a formula amongst it. There's some commonalities that you could look at and come up with, you know, something you might think is a formula. But how many of you know the Holy Spirit is very creative? He can, he can come upon you. Any, my wife and I both have very different experiences when it comes to being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh, and you probably tell me, me your story and you know I have a guy I remember years ago when we were down on Red Oak Creek where I used to uh, where I used to smoke a little marijuana now we're down there getting the fire of the Holy Ghost I mean it's a true story we're down there praying and the Holy Ghost came upon us and there's this one guy who did not really believe we didn't know if he believed it's just one of our you know kind of faithful Holy Ghost friends older brother he was just taking all this stuff in not this the Holy Spirit uh he was taking it all in and we started praying he never said a word and all of a sudden he started speaking in tongues we never, I didn't know if he was, I, nobody ever led him in a sinner's prayer. And man, I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost came upon us. We got in the car. It was like we were in a mist in a fog and he could not speak English. I'd say, I forget his, I think it's Eddie, Eddie Nobles. Eddie, Eddie, you know, I'd ask him a question. He's just talking tongues. 
That's all he could do. That didn't happen to me. I just thought that was just bizarre to me. There's no formula. God does it any which way he wants. And I think God just so loves us. He'll just, is so creative. He'll baptize us in the Holy Ghost. And so there's no formula. Look at your neighbor and say, there's no formula. But there is some common things that you and I have to do in order to position ourselves at a place to receive. Are you with me? So let me just give you some. I'm telling you, this is, this is not, this is not the rule book. This is just some insights. Here we are. Number one, you got to position yourself in a place of willingness and obedience. By this time, it's very clear. And you go back to Acts chapter one. By this time, it's very clear. The crowd had been weeded out. We were down to those who just said, man, I'm all in. I'm willing to go the distance. I'm willing to stick it out to see this thing through. I'm willing, as we talked about last week, to stay the course. Somebody say, stay the course. And I'm going to do whatever you say do. I'm going to go wherever you say go. I'm going to obey whatever you tell me to do. And he told them to go to Jerusalem, wait for the promise of the Father. Then he went, they saw him ascent. Can you imagine being there that day? Can you imagine? I mean, I'm telling you, they've been listening and talking to the resurrected Christ. And whatever happened, Jesus says, they, uh, he ascended into heaven while they stared with their mouths wide open, gawking into the heavenlies. And as they, as he disappeared from their sight into the clouds, they're all sitting there reeling from, from all this. And there's two people clothed in white, what happened to be angels. And they said, why stand you gazing into heaven? This same Jesus who you see ascending into heaven, he's coming again. And you just need to get busy about what he told you to do. And it says, they all headed to Jerusalem and began to obey him. Listen, if you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you've got to position yourself in a willingness and obedience. And if you still got these silly things in your head that go, well, what about this? What about that? I don't know about that talking in tongues. I don't know about you know, raising them hands. I don't know about that shout and all that stuff. Listen, you, you hadn't come to a place where you said, I don't care what you do in my life, Lord. However you want to do it in my life. I just want your Holy Ghost to come upon you. Let me tell you something. The Holy Ghost doesn't put you out of control. He brings you into control. Amen. You got to position yourself in a place of willingness and obedience. And that's where the first century disciples were. It says, verse 12, after the, after, uh, Jesus ascended and then they returned to Jerusalem. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room. Verse 14. And these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. Man, they were at a place of willingness and obedience. And, and then number two, this is just my thoughts. They were at a place of understanding and insight. They had finally began to understand what was John 16 when he said the Holy Spirit was coming upon you. They didn't understand. Uh, but now they understood that Jesus had come again. He spoke to them. Don't worry about the times and the seasons. You wait for the promise of the Father, which I already told you about. They didn't understand how it was going to happen, but they knew we can't leave here. We, this is, Hey, I know something's going to happen different. I, I've got Jesus in my heart, but I need something more and he's going to give it to me. I'm not sure exactly how it's coming, but I have an understanding and insight that I need what he has for me. And really, here, here's the insight you and I need. This is, this is what we need. We need understanding and insight that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to equip us, empower us, and embolden us for the ministry of the gospel. Amen. And here's number three, to position yourself at a place of receptivity to the Holy Spirit, prayer and patience. Everyone say prayer and patience. It's very clear. He said, go wait, go wait. And listen, you got to be willing to wait on God for him to do what he wants to do. Some of us are so used to instant everything. I mean, instant this, instant that. We got these little things. We got everything we need in an instant. You know, I wonder about that. Oh, well, Google says, boop, there it is. 
little interesting insight. If you're flying anywhere on planet Earth and you need to know your flight information, you go to Google. And, and Amer- uh, like uh, uh, we're on Aeromexico, flight 416. You Google AM 416, boom, there's your flight schedule. I'm telling you, you got instant everything. In this age we live in, we expect God to be like this at the moment's touch, which is instant this, instant everything. He said, you go wait. And I don't know how long they waited. They waited and they waited. And, and, and the Bible then says, says in Acts chapter 2, while they were praying and they were in a position of prayer and patience, waiting upon God, having kind of gotten things in order. In fact, if we had, gosh, this is another insight. They put things in order while they were waiting. They replaced uh, uh, Judas with Matthias. They got things in order and they were trying to get their, their lives and everything in proper order. And they were praying with one accord and one heart. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, suddenly the Holy Spirit came upon them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to uh, speak the word of God and they were, they were, they, they were praising God and the Bible says they had tongues of fire setting on their head and they spoke in other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance and the church was born but they were praying and they were patiently waiting before God are you with me and let me throw one more in uh, hey, if you want to be positioned to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there needs to be a faith and a focus. Man, these people, believe, they, had, they had come to a place where they believed Jesus on every level. They put their trust in him. They trusted him with their finances. They trusted him with their futures. They, they, they focused on his purpose and plan, and that was evangelism and reaching the world for Christ. And I don't know how you need to do it. I don't know what, you know, you know, because listen, there's no formula, but let me just tell you something today. We got to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit in our life. And then, and then this is an interesting thing about all of that. You can't be unbaptized in the Holy Spirit, but you sure can come to a place where you leak a little bit and you need to be a fresh empowering and filling into your life. Acts 4, they're praying, they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. Begin to speak the word of God with boldness. You know, some people may can speak in tongues, but they're not walking in the Spirit. Hello? Paul said to the Ephesians, be, uh, he said, be filled, be continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. Let there be a life flow flowing through you on a daily basis. Amen. Listen, if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit's living within you. But now he wants to come upon you, the Holy Spirit, and empower you for ministry. And I want to encourage us this week to find a secret place and just begin to bow in the presence of the Lord. As a junior in high school, between my junior and senior year, I had a couple in, that had come into my life named Bill and Kay Farish. She was my speech teacher. She loved Jesus and they loved Jesus. She's the one who told me in the hallway as I was coming in, and I was a believer, but I was not a spirit-filled believer. I was not committed to Christ. I was a fence rider she said out loud in front of everybody she said Sam Walker I'm going to pray about your commitment to God it's like E.F. Hutton down the hall everyone stopped and said oh she's praying about Sam's commitment to God and in that summer between my junior and senior year we went on a retreat I'd never been on a retreat before Retreat is something we all need to do. We need to get away and begin to focus and pray and have patience and listen and learn. We're at a little Baptist encampment. We shook that place up called Mount Lebanon Baptist Encampment. And there as a junior, between my junior and senior year in high school, The Holy Spirit came upon me. 
And something changed in my life. And from that moment, I began to see God in a whole new light. And I began to be empowered for ministry. My senior year, I walked into my senior year full of the Holy Spirit, being a witness for Christ. The Jesus movement was in full swing. People were being born again. It was a move of the Holy Spirit. Like nothing I've ever experienced. In fact, this man right here, Greg Laurie, all the way in California, was experiencing the same thing about the same time as me. And he tells his story here. It's pretty amazing. You know, I've realized something. I'm not Greg Glory, but I found out something. My story is still amazing. God took a little teenage boy who was afraid to stand up in speech class and say one word. And saved him. Filled him with the Holy Spirit. Called him into ministry and said, I want you to preach my word to many nations. But he knew something about me. He knew that before I could do any of that, I needed the Holy Spirit to come upon me. See, as a little boy in, in elementary school, my, my mom shared Jesus with me. And then, as a little six or seven-year-old boy, the Red Oak Baptist Church, I walked the aisle under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and took my pastor James Shinrock's hand and said, I need to ask Jesus into my heart. This is kind of cool to me because he's, he's my Facebook friend today, the man who led me to Christ. And then 12 years later as a, Junior, 11 years later, as a junior in high school, Bill and Kay Farish influenced me. And then the Holy Spirit came upon me. They're, they're my Facebook friends too. These are heroes in my life. And today here we sit. What's your story? I, I got a feeling your story's not written completely yet like mine's not. But today we need the Holy Spirit in our life. The power of the Holy Spirit. And so this week I want to encourage you, whatever you need to do, retreat away. Get up a little early in the morning. Stay up a little later at night. Find you some quiet time. And if you've never had the experience of the Holy Spirit coming upon you, just begin to say, God, I need what you know I need. I'm willing and obedient. I know I need this in my life. You just begin to seek God. In fact, here's the cool thing. Jesus said this. Luke records it. He said, uh, he said, we being evil know how to give good gifts to our children. How much more will, the, will God give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Lord, I'm asking you today for the baptism in the Holy Spirit, for the power of God to come upon me. Let me throw you one more little obvious insight. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is obvious. If you're wondering if you are, you're probably not. Because everywhere, here's a common denominator. Everywhere in Scripture where it says they were all baptized in the Holy Spirit, there was absolute evidence. And things were different from that point on. Amen? Well, I feel better already. Let's stand up together. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit of God. Holy Spirit of God. 
come upon us, Lord. Fill us, O oh God, with the Holy Ghost. Lord Jesus, I come today and I pray for these that are here. Lord, for those who recognize today that they need you to come upon them by way of the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray this day, this week, this hour, the Holy Spirit would begin to descend upon them and begin to descend upon this church. And Lord, we're going to position ourselves in February in a, in a, in a place of receptivity to receive all that you have for us your power, your equipping, your emboldening in our lives to share our story. We thank you for it, Lord. I want us to do something right now just to stir up the flow of the Holy Spirit. You hear the little, I just want you to, the Bible says, we sing in the Spirit, we sing with the understanding also. Come on, let's just lift up our voices together. We love you, Jesus. Come on now, come on. I love you, Lord. I give you glory, Lord Jesus. I bless the name of the Lord, my God. Holy Spirit of God, descend upon us, O God. Fill us, Lord, with your spirit, Lord. Baptize this church in your spirit, Lord. Let the Holy Ghost have his way in your heart today. Hallelujah, 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 Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Lord, may this week be a week of outpouring. May we begin to hear testimonies of people receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Lord, in their prayer closet. Lord, in their workplace. Lord God, in the church house. Lord, even our children, Lord, being filled with the Holy Ghost and praying in the Spirit, Lord. Lord, empower us, empower our children. Equip us, equip our children. Lord, embolden us, embolden our children for the salvation of souls in the world today. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Everybody say it. Everybody say it this way. Everybody said, Amen. Come on, everybody say, Amen. I'm just teaching you something. Listen, some of you are so spooky here, you don't understand. You need to get in your prayer closet and go, I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm telling you, you know what? Sometimes it's like a cork. You've just been plugged up by the things of this world. And then finally, when you just let, finally get yourself in a position where you come uncorked and you glorify God, magnify, and this the power of the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Woo! I'm excited. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's give the Lord some praise. Hallelujah.